When I was growing up, there was this old oak table that sat in the middle of our kitchen, and every important conversation that happened in my family happened around that table, whether it was a mistake that we made or an accomplishment that we celebrated. My parents would take that experience and incorporate God into it. If that table could talk, it would be filled with so much wisdom. Join us today as we sit around that very table with my mom and my daughter. I'm Cecily Williams, and you're listening to Sorry, Did I Make You Uncomfortable? Hey guys, um, I'm I'm actually sitting around an oak table right now that's been in my family like for years. And um, so I have my daughter and my mom sitting around the table with us. And uh, Ray and I were just talking about how the generations are so different because she's pumped to do this. Yeah, should we do a little introduction around the table? <laughs> and mom's sitting here like, I don't even want to be a part of it. Okay, I okay. can introduce her. Okay, hi guys, I'm back. It's me, Ray. Um, I was last time I was here. I was like, I sound too like, too serious. This time I need to be a little bit more my bubbly self. I think, but obviously still serious. And then we have Mall. I'm gonna. You just have to just say hi. You don't have to. You don't have to do a full mom, on intro. Mom doesn't even want the mic. <laughs> Nobody's here. <laughs> Just say your name and I'm Ma. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, so we really kind of just wanted mom involved in it because we just sit around the table mom and we always sit around the table and just have a good time and just talk about random stuff or whatever comes. So we're going to need your input because Ray and I were sitting around and we were talking about grief and how we all have different aspects of it because I'll let you explain that, Ray. Yeah. Um, I mean, backstory, we know that she's probably talked about this already, of course, (laughs) but, um, so Nathan passed away three years ago for, if we look at this as a whole perspective of three people, we also want to bring in Papa, who was my grandfather, mom's dad, Ma's husband, Nathan was mom's husband, my dad, so... We're looking at grief in a three-dimensional aspect of losing a father, losing a husband, losing a dad. And I think that it's really not amazing, but eye-opening to see how grief affects each person so differently when it's in a three-dimensional way, you know. And I thought we could dive into that a little bit. We don't have to get too touchy, but uh, I mean, just looking at it in a way and I don't know. We all have gone through it in different ways, too, and I think it affected each and every one of us so differently, but also so the same. So, I don't know. I thought that was something yeah. we could. Well, I mean, what you have to do is, like, Mom, you're obviously uncomfortable. I've been uncomfortable, but I've, I'm like, this is podcast seven or whatever, and I've said some crazy stuff out there, so I'm already, like, out. it's out of my system. But I think what you have to look at is, like, are we going to take what we've been through And are we going to use it to try to help shed some light on it? Because my biggest thing with grief is when I got thrown into it, nobody talked about it. And I've always said, you know, for every two births, there's one death. For every two births that are out there, there is one death. And yet nobody talks about death because it's taboo. And so when we're thrown into it, with or itch, your mom passing away, your dad passing away, or like us or husband or your father, you don't know what to talk about. And so that's what I kind of wanted to do is I wanted to like say, hey, look, we've got three generations here that we can touch on every aspect. It's hard to 
jump into just oh talk about grief boom boom but i think i don't want to like overpower here but one thing that is really difficult but something we could do is if you could put it your personal experience not just grief but how it impacted your personal in one word what do you feel like right now or through grief was the biggest word that you'd say if you want to start mom I need to think about it even though it's my (laughs) even though it's my question I still need to think about it if I could put my experience well I think each each circumstance is different it's different with my husband than it was with my dad. Right. But so I, I guess you can change, have two words. Change. Like I changed as a person. I am not the same person that I was. And you have to, because when that person dies, when that person leaves, a part of who you are feels like it leaves with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say that my word, and we can talk about positive later, but um, talking about going through the experience, I think my word would be suppression. Because within both situations of grief, all I did was suppress, 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 suppress. And I think as someone who lost a grandfather and a father, it was really hard for me to kind of accept that when I knew y'all had lost a companion-like husband. So suppression, that's my word. Okay, here's another thing is we're so, like I'm getting off the grief subject. We found that like we're so perfectionistic that we want everything organized. We want everything like lined out. We want a script, but like we don't know. We just want to go with the flow because we want it to be authentic. So like it it doesn't matter. Like (laughs) what? Authentic. And you start to pinpoint that when you've gone through grief and you can determine when somebody... (laughs) I know. You know, we say people say stupid stuff. Well, I can tell when somebody's being authentic and genuine and I can tell when they're not. But like, it's so taboo and it's such a subject that people want to talk about. They're just like, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm like, right. if I hear I'm sorry for your loss one more time <laughs> and other people, but you really don't know what to say. Like, so authenticity has been huge. Like, I, you know, like, just don't say anything. Just give me a hug or just say, hey, I'm here for you. Like, you don't have to say anything to somebody that's going through grief just to say something. I mean, we want to show love, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm going on another subject right now. But Well, I don't think I have just one word. I don't have a word that explains grief or what I went through when, when Bill passed. Because when he passed, I didn't know who I was. I, I don't remember. I was in a fog in a, in a, a, a place yeah. where I... I don't remember. I I had to make decisions, and I probably didn't make the right decisions because I didn't I didn't know what to do. I didn't have you. I didn't have anybody because I was 800 miles away. Because but so there's not one word. I, I think one thing about losing Bill was just being lonely, just feeling so alone. And I hadn't gotten to the point where, I mean, he was my, he was my husband, my strength. And I, I depended on him instead of God. Now I'm learning to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a process. I'm not there yet. I'm still healing, but I've come a long way. And I have um, you two to thank for just accepting me and letting me live with you for five months and 
I'm, I'm very grateful. Um, I don't know where to go from here, except it's just a process. It's a day-by-day learning experience to um, try to find out who you are without them um, and to build that relationship with the Father, with Jesus, with God. And that's the beauty of it. And I know that's what Papa wants. My Bill, he wants me to have such a powerful relationship with God that I can um, be who I am in Him and finish my race strong. And by golly, all together we're going to do it. And strength looks different for everybody too. I mean, depending on your journey. Not, I think you you touched on a lot. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. I think your your experience losing dad is different than me losing Nathan because y'all were married for forty years. So you're you when you live a Christian sold out, and I know that not the whole time y'all were sold out to Christ, but you grow becoming one with them. And like I'd said, you know, we were talking earlier that you don't have them. But you've you've laid down your life to submit to your husband for so long, and then all of a sudden they're not there. So you become so dependent on them making the decisions because yes, you put your input in, but ultimately they made the decision and you submitted to hit and you came under. And so then you're wandering around now like, okay, I don't have anybody to talk to or even give my opinion and let alone submit to the decision. So like there is a process of even going back to God, like you, you'd said, going back and learning you know, it's easy for somebody that's not walked through it to say, oh, well, God is your husband now. And I'm like, well, wasn't he my husband with my hu- when I was married? Like when Nathan was here, when daddy was here, was he not my husband? And I that used to irritate me to death. Well, God will be your husband now. Well, he was our husband. Now I've got to learn how to. But Cecily, the thing that I'm, I've realized is that people don't understand. So we have to just let it be if somebody comes up and. Uh, says something to us or tries to tell us well you need to get over this or if you just you need to serve you need to do it people don't understand so we have to know when they come and tell us things it's out of the goodness of their heart that they really do care but I can't understand you I don't understand what Raylan's gone through I I only know where I am therefore I can't I can't even judge what, what you guys are going through. And nobody can judge what I'm going through, but therefore we just have to love each other and just go on. Mm-hmm. Just go on and trust God. <laughs> but that's good too. I think there's a freedom that comes in that when you realize that people aren't going to understand. And even seeing like, I notice, I don't understand what Ray went through. I don't understand what you went through. I know what I went through. Like to the core, I know what I went through. And there's glimpses of it in what you're going through. But that realization of like, I don't totally understand everybody's experience. Yeah, you don't know it, everyone's story. Yeah, and it brings a freedom to, we don't have to understand each other exactly to be a loving family. Support one another in all of it. Just be there for one another. And even some of my friends that have, uh, I have gone through the same thing. I don't know what I do without them now because when I'm having a, downtime they understand because they have them too and it's okay but we're not going to stay there yeah no forever yeah and we we don't have to understand it completely we just kind of recognize it and we go 
And maybe it's you don't have words for it. Yeah, there's no words for it, I don't think. I think something that you said a second ago that was really, really deep was how you talked about how you had depended on Papa for so long, and when that got stripped away, you had to relearn your dependence on God. And I think that like people, like you said, Mom, that don't fully understand that aspect of it, that they're they're not truly alone because they have the father but that dependence on switching your dependence when you've depended on a person for so long and they are stripped away from your life no matter what kind of way that might be whether it's a breakup whether it's total loss whether they moved away and you're having to relearn that dependence that's when those little sneaky things come in when you start depending on alcohol you start depending on drugs you start depending on sex you start depending on new people in your life and you lose that focus of dependence and then you fall into the dark hole and then you fall into I'm fully alone. I'm fully lost. I don't know who I am because you don't know who to depend on. It's the hopelessness that attaches to you in that. That's where the hopelessness. I was just reading through the um, the past. What is a pool of, is it Methesda? How do you say that? Methesda? Where they were uh, waiting for the angel to come down and apparently stir the water. And then they, they, when Jesus met him, it's like, I noticed in that, that like he wasn't really, it wasn't that, um, hopelessness really re he was, it was really hopeless because Jesus said, do you really want to be healed? And, and, you know, or he's like, do you want to be healed? And he was like, you don't, he kept throwing excuses out. You kept throwing excuses out. So he was, he was already hopeless. And the reason why I believe he was hopeless is because he had switched his focus off of God healing him. And he was putting it on the powers because they were all like this, you know, it's superstition that there was, they weren't, there wasn't an actual angel they saw come down and stir it, but it was like hearsay. So they had put all of their hope in like, works or something that man was doing or or something else besides God being the source and they just sat there and got hopeless and then the moment that he put his because Jesus didn't touch him Jesus didn't do anything it's like he came into recognition with what who God was and who his healer was again and who his hope was and where and it's like he realigned his hope with Jesus and he got healed and everything and I think you do that in grief too you're like what do I do I'm hopeless I'm here I don't know what to do and then when you finally go okay the only way I'm going to pull myself out of this is to reconnect with God and realign who I am even though I'm still confused on who that is or what that looks like or who I am at the core like you realign yourself with with God and then you start to see those healings come I know one time Cecily you you said to me this is a long 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 time ago you said to me mom you need to let me know how what you did to make it through this time and like I say, I am not through, but I have come a long way. Yeah. And I'm not stopping. And this is, this is the scripture I want to give you. Um, if I can find it here, let me find it. The scripture in Psalms or Proverbs? <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> okay, here it is. Trust you to rescue me one more time so that I can see once again how good you are while I'm still alive. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting, for he will never disappoint you. I love that. I do too. Because there is even times that we fail in it, and we know we fail. And then I think a lot of times we're, 
we're fighting the shame because we we think maybe he's not there or maybe I mean how many times can you mess up I mean I know that's me like I said I'm speaking from my grief walker the journey it's not even just grief it's just life in general you mess up and you mess up and you mess up and you're like how many times do I mess up and he still welcomes me back how many times do I get to come back to him I think the thing I'm learning so much is that even in my thoughts the things I think that are negative that are fleshly I mean I gotta repent right now it's just total repentance to get get out of these thought patterns get out of these feeling things and just say God I repent I don't I don't want to be thinking these things I just want my focus to be totally on you I want yeah. to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh well, and you just were shared a message with somebody else saying that that you had been listening to another podcast. And she said that spiritual warfare is actually, it's not, it's when we get in the flesh. And it's not done when, when we're walking in the spirit. We are not, you don't get in spiritual warfare when you're walking in the spirit. Right. It's when you've in this flesh that you've opened up the uh, doors door, to right. it. But it's only when you're in the spirit that you can perform the warfare to be rid of those spirits that are not yeah uh, yeah and that's like an example that she gave is that um they were at the hospital they were at a doctor's office and they got impatient because they'd been waiting in that little tiny room which we've all done i've been in that room just totally ticked off in the room like did they just they just this is just the extra waiting room where you get to read the same magazine 18 times like but they got in that that zone and then the next day um, she got sick and she realized that what she had done is partnered with the spirit of infirmity because she had gotten in the flesh. And I was like, whoa, how many times have I opened a door up to something and realized the next day I'm, I'm dealing with something or like maybe I'm angry and I'm like, man, I'm usually not angry, but I've been angry all day. And it's like, oh, well, where did you open up your, would you open yourself up to? That's kind of cool. I think that too kind of ties into perspective. I mean, yes, it's opening doors and stuff, but also like your perspective on situations can affect your emotions and, you know, your the way that you're looking at something as, um, I'm trying to give an example of like maybe something happens and, and it does go a good way, but um, like I had something happen recently where the outcome was not, the perfect precise outcome that I was praying for but still it was better than the worst outcome but I can let my perspective of that be oh well that's not the best outcome so now I'm not fully happy there's just another burden you know but then really if you have control over your perspective on what happiness is and how good God is and if you're you know if he's moving and you're still not viewing him as good that's that's on you that's your perspective so that's where the anger is going to creep in that's where the disappointment's going to creep in and that's where you open a door yeah yep yeah it's all about perspective perspective you know, your dad saying that <laughs> nathan used to say that all the time i would be like totally totally mad at something just wanting him to be on my side about it and he'd say it's all about perspective and i'm like oh my god if you say that one more time i just wanted him to be mad please understand my misery (laughs) but wouldn't it be cool if we went through life with the rose colored glasses always on you know like i know they say take your rose colored glasses on or you're dating someone they just have rose colored glasses you know stuff like that what if we did keep them on and we did yeah. I believe we should be. That's what that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to, and that's being in the spirit. We are to walk in the spirit. Live above the snake line. 
Yeah, we, but we also need to have mercy for people that aren't. Or is it mercy or gr- mercy and grace? Because there's going to be yeah. people that aren't. We're like, just put your glasses on. They're going to slap oh, yeah. you like you put your glasses on. <laughs> grace for us. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, and to backtrack that. Okay, the rose-colored glasses can't always stay on because when it goes back to suppression, the first word I used about grief, if I'm keeping my rose-colored glasses on all the time and I'm suppressing down that those feelings that I'm feeling, I'm never going to fully heal. Healing is feeling. And if you are not feeling, you are not going to be healing. And in order to feel that darkness, sometimes you got to feel the darkness. Trust that God's, God's working in you and He's going to bring you through it all. Right. Yeah. Just touch your chin. I know you don't want to talk about it. But like, <laughs> You're doing good. <laughs> yeah. No, but when you do talk like that. Just, just, just. So, like how do you. Huh? What? She's on her podcast voice. No, this is how I talk. Oh. You have a southern accent. <laughs> you have a southern drawl. You. I don't. Mom, uh, let me see. Mom just said, you don't. That Raylan doesn't have a southern accent. And then. She said, I said, no, it's her podcast voice. No. And I'm this like, is how I talk. that's how you talk. How this come I how don't I talk that? all the time? I can tell when you're, when I'm tired, I guess mine comes out, but I can enunciate. I feel like I have more of an Iowa accent than I do a, a Oklahoma. I do too. I do too, honey. <laughs> really? I think that's because mom, you were with mom a lot because I was she, working. Yeah. So. She taught me my vows. You taught me how to say the words. We both, for everyone listening, mom and I both apparently say the word open uh, wrong. Uh, you do. You do. Look, here, Wait, Mal's have it. mom. How do you say it? Go open the door. Say it right. <laughs> That's, I think it's right. Everyone says we say it wrong. Go open the door. They put an M in there. Open. Open the door. And it's open. Apparently cupboards or cabinets. <laughs> You're just stuck in a minute. Cupboards or cabinets. A straight a uh, flat iron is a straightener, and and that's all wrong. Is what everyone it's tells flat me. Flat iron. Oh, apparently it's a straightener. <laughs> it's all. It's all about perspective. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. That's really funny. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of words that the southern people use. We're all different. That's what's so fun, though. Everybody has something different Don't to say. Remember, and we'd go to Iowa again. every summer, and the. Ki- your cousins would say, come on, Cecily, say this. Come on, Cecily, say that. Because you did. Yeah. You do have a southern accent. Now, I I don't think. You know, your daddy did, too, but not. I know Chris really does, did. too. Chris has a big southern. Like, they wanted me to say ice, bright, white, and light. Like, anything, I don't know, with the. Now, say it real. No podcast will always say those three. Ice. <laughs> lot. Bright. White. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I used to I used to work with a girl and we had to refill up the ice, you know, and she'd be like, I need ice refill. And we're like, what's ice? <laughs> or if you're real tired, you you know, you I did one of these one time and I was like, oh, I have to delete that because I was in my like normal exhausted voice. Oh, uh, you know, and that's too like we have to be careful of what we what we ex- we what do you say that claim like I say that a lot too I noticed I was like I'm exhausted I'm exhausted I'm exhausted and I'm like okay well what are you what are you claiming over yourself yeah. right yeah right. words do have power there's this thing called um, now I can't create. remember your words do create it's important to rewrite your phrases if you are which is not easy at all but if you're you know 
I'm I'm ugly. Let's say you say that. I'm ugly. I have a big nose. You know, you say something like that. You can rewrite that in a way of, you know, not just saying I'm pretty because obviously that's hard to believe sometimes, but rewriting it as my nose looks different than others, but that doesn't mean that it makes me ugly. You know, rewriting that. I don't know. Well, just be thankful God gave you a nose. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, goodness. That's one thing I'm thankful for. Well, I used to hate my nose. I used to, because some one person had said, oh, you look like a shark. So, you know, like it takes one person that you hang on to and it's like, am oh, I going to yeah. hang on to that or am I going to let it go? Ooh, that's deep because what are we saying to people too? Right. And are they hanging on to it? Check. And innocently, I mean, I think sometimes innocently you can say something you can say oh, something yeah. about somebody's weight and like oh you look like you're losing weight and they're they've been trying to gain weight and yeah they've been eating 10 you know, protein just, shakes a night like i think it's too standard on that too one we've got to quit being so sensitive as a nation everybody's Ooh. like you know mm-hmm. i think it goes back to authenticity yeah. mm-hmm. and i love your word popcorn oh my gosh oh yes yeah, right have we Explain talked about popcorn so, so something that mom and I have been trying to do uh, is if we have something that we want to say that might seem a little bit, you know, it could be offensive if it's taken the wrong way or it's real just straight up. Before we say it, we say popcorn and popcorn tells you, OK, she's about to tell me something that I might need to fix. I might need to re- readjust yeah. the way I hear this, you know. But like if I hear Ray say popcorn. You know, it says, like, she loves me, nothing changes, my feelings towards you, right. I will love you forever, but I'm about to say, it's like, prepare yourself, I'm about to say something that could be taken the wrong way, but, mm-hmm. I, like, my feelings for you are not going to change. Right. I love it. Yeah. What do you say, yeah. like, the first time I was doing this, like, Ray, I cut you off all the time, and you were like, popcorn, you do that a lot. <laughs> I was like, just <laughs> laughed. But it's not in a spiteful, mean way that you're saying it, you know, yeah. and it takes away that, that pressure of confrontation because I am so bad at that I am not a confrontational person but if I can just be like popcorn yeah. here's this you know then I it think it's makes it better I really that's yeah that's healing mm-hmm. it's cute yeah. too if you say popcorn right now what would you say to me right now oh <laughs> oh um <laughs> okay take that bathing suit picture off oh <laughs> That's right. She posted to it. popcorn at least before. That. <laughs> <laughs> I said popcorn for her. I know. So that's another thing. That's a thing that I dealt with is that like, you know, that was just something that I know is just a, that's a generational thing. And to me, I was like, man, I'm 45. What are they going to think of me? Like that needs to come off. It's not me that posted it. But like there is this whole like beating myself up. But then you're like trying to figure out. Am I worried? Because I know in my heart who I am. I know in my heart that I didn't mean anything by that. But where is the where is the line where you say, is this going to make somebody view me differently? And am I so is where's the line between am I people pleasing and am I trying to put a a persona out there or am I authentically being myself knowing that my heart is okay? And to me, I'm like, if it makes anybody's eye stumble or if it makes anybody fail like if that's going to cause sin to anybody's eye that I think that's the line like am I putting am I knowingly knowing that this could put some make somebody walk in sin does that make any sense I know that didn't come out like um I think hearing that from a different generation is yeah that's good you know but um I am more on the side and yes 
there's boundaries. Yes, there's boundaries to the things that we're putting out there for people to see. But I'm more of on the side of who cares? Who cares? This is me. This is my life. They're not in my life. They're not controlling my life. I but but if it is going against something that you strongly moral and you want people to see you as professionally, modestly, things like that. But also when it's just little stuff, it's yeah. just you. But me, I'm like, no, I, you did put it. Maybe I'm too, maybe this is religion. I don't know. But to me, if you're walking with the Lord and you have a platform and you have, you do, then you have to be a, a witness and do you feel comfort? You haven't felt comfortable with it. There's got to be something mm-hmm. behind that, Cecily. That's God. Therefore, that's no. Yeah, that's, that's why I, I brought. That's why I brought it up because we were talking about <laughs> opening ourselves up, and like, and I like literally was sick the next day. Like I was sick, and I was like, I I like even got I vomited. I was like, man, I feel ill. I took a nap. I was exhausted. And I was like, man, this feels like when I'm being attacked spiritually, like when I'm and I was like, what's going on? And then when you sent me that pot, that podcast, I was like, oh, my gosh, I opened myself up and I was walking through. Am I t- so worried about what people are thinking of me or do do it doesn't matter if 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 it even gives them the inkling to think that of me? then I don't need to open myself up to that because I want to be a person of influence. Because it's not about you when you're walking in the kingdom. Ooh, that's good. It's good. And humility. I think that's a lot of the reasons why you have to go through a crushing because if you are getting on stage even and you're like, hey, I'm going to preach a sermon and it's about, you're worried about what you look like on stage. You're worried about, did I say that right? Did they understand me? Who cares? Your heart should be so about, did it impact their hearts the way right. God wanted it to impact them? There's levels to this, though. And you should be I, walking in the Spirit when you're up there, anointed. And you will be. I like how on here we can kind of give, like, different different point of views, for sure. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, in different ways. I think that there's also, like, if someone were to hear that, it can be miscommunicated when it's said, it's not about you. It's all. It, yes, it is all about God. Yes, it's not about me, but in safety matters, in things, I'm very, something that's always really strong in my heart is what people go through and their feelings and the the things that they're dealing with in their heart. And I think that sometimes if we look at things, it can be misunderstood in a religious way of devaluing some of the things that you're going through in your heart just because God needs to be who it's all about. And I think that, yes, God is who it's all about, but God also wants you to fully feel right in your own self when it comes to things. If you are, you know, if there's certain things that you're doing or something and you don't feel right about it, you feel unsafe, you are hurting in certain ways, in that moment, it's okay to value your what you're going through. If, if you, let's say you just lost your husband and someone wants you to get up on stage and speak the good word that you had the week before, if you are not in a place where you can do that, getting on stage just because it's for God and it's a good word might not be for you, you know? And I think that that can be mis, misunderstood in a way. And it's hard for me to say because I feel like for some reason that's so wrong to try and put sometimes your emotions and stuff in, in an important way but I think just like I don't know I think there's levels to it I, I think though that wrong. like when 
Like if God has called you to something, you're going to walk in a peace and knowing that this is my time to step into it. Mm -hmm. Because like even with my life lately, you know, like I was like, oh, I want to use my grief journey to help others. And like you, it didn't come naturally. I know that there was a serve date where I went to the nursing home and I fell apart. And so for months I was like, nope, not going to serve it. You know, not going to serve there. I thought that, you know, I lost my dad. I could help somebody uh, that, you know, somebody's going through anything that maybe my father had went through. I could help them. And it was my way of serving. I was like, no, I can't. I fell apart. I cried. I grieved. I was crying whenever I was trying to help them in the nursing home. I couldn't do it. But then they, you know, I had a job offer for marketing to help with um, a, a home care for seniors. And I was like, I wasn't ready. And I didn't step into it. And I thought, man, I really thought this was something that I was going to be used to help with. But God took four months of me healing and that job offer came back to me. Right. And now I'm mm -hmm. working in that same thing that I knew I would do it. Yeah. But it was in God's timing to make sure right. I was completely See, healed. That's what I was trying to like. That's what wasn't coming out is if you're not fully healed, God's timing is God's timing and that will happen. And just because it's someone saying that it's God, it's God, it's God, the timing might be wrong and it's still God and he is still first, but you might not be fully healed at a place where you can excel in the way God wants you to. Yeah, you can't force that. And I think a lot of times that's probably where the, especially when you're walking in giftings and you're walking in spiritual giftings, I think we get pushed into those. Like you should, you should be on the prayer team and you should pray and you should, you should pray out loud and it's like man why don't we do some baby steps like why don't we we don't or like you you have a prophetic gifting you should start doing this and it's like whoa why don't we just why don't we calm down and just take baby steps and then when they feel the peace to do it they will know they're listening to the lord and they'll step out in obedience and maybe i'm going backwards but there's a i guess maybe i need prayer maybe i, I might be wrong but if you are a part of a community you have a tribe or you're part of just a, a church, and people know your situation. You're a witness, and your life matters because it will make a difference in somebody else's life. So therefore, I believe we, we, we have to stay focused on what God expects from us, wants from us. Do we fail? Of course. Um, but we get back up, and we mm -hmm. try again, but because that's what I'm saying about it's not about us because our life affects everybody around us in some way and people are watching us people are watching but don't you think it means more when you say i mean we're not going to be perfect so when we right. fail it means more if you if you fail and then you come publicly and say man I, i'm sorry Amen. like like raising a kid like i've been hor you know there's been times i've lashed out at ray in anger and not you know but like I think the moments that if I've done that doesn't mean that as a mom, you never lash out at anybody in anger, but it's coming and saying, Hey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have yelled at you like that. Or I shouldn't have handled it that way. Probably means more to say, Hey, they're human, but they get back up and they try to straighten it. They try right. to make it right. Amen. You repent and go on. You repent. And even saying, Hey, this isn't who I am and I don't want to be that anymore, but I'm human. Yeah. Yeah. Your vulnerability. Yeah. I think just like grief, Talking about your vulnerability is going to change people. It's going to help people in a way that not being vulnerable isn't, you know, because there's some things that people have to hear that they didn't expect anyone. And I love because it goes all back to the first thing you said, being authentic. We've got to be that. Be authentic. Yeah. 
That's good. Good, good, good. But before you can be authentic, you have to know what authentic is. Like, who are you? You're like, why are they're not authentic? Well, <laughs> they may not know who they are. Point, though. I mean, at different stages in our life, we're different. So, you know, be authentic where you are, right at the, at the moment. Be authentic where you are. Be authentic where you are. Quote That's of the day. That's really good. <laughs> like that. That's really good because that applies to everything, I think. Whether you are at the top of the tier of where your life is at or you're at the bottom of where your life is at. Be authentic. God's moving. And he even tells us in, you know, in Romans, uh, he's going to turn it all around for our good. But hang on to that. Be authentic wherever you are. Yeah, that's so good. Do you think you could explain something that Maul told me? And I'll just say it like this. Something that Maul told me a long time ago, and I know that the Lord has been speaking this through you since years ago, is the way that he showed you how he is in the cell. Do you think you could explain that just shortly? You don't have to go into full depth. Yeah, just brief. Because it is so good, and I think we can totally bounce off of it. Um, I can try, but one time years ago, I was uh, by myself at uh, a state park sitting on a, on a rock, and God just opened up everything to me and showed me the life, the vibration. I know that's a new age word too, but I don't mean it that way of uh, the life of the cells and how everything that he has created, I mean everything, the rocks, the dirt, the leaves, everything around us is alive because he created it that way. And that really affected me. And many, many years, because I was like 18, 19, 20 when that happened, years later when Bill and I lived in Sherman and we had a care group and I was all by myself one day, and he sh- said, he showed me how that sale, our sales, how that compares to the temple of God. And we all know that in the Holy of Holies, which is the very center of the temple of God, is the presence of God, the DNA of God in that, in that uh, Holy of Holies. Well, in the be- middle of our cells is the nucleus. And I believe there's even another word. It's been a long time since I did research it, but I've forgotten all the the scientific words there's called the nuclei but even in the very center of that some way there's uh he showed me how that was the dna of christ because when you're born again you do have the blood of christ in you the dna of christ in you you're a new creature a new creation a new race and so therefore in the center of each of our cells is the dna through the blood because the blood of Christ flows through our body into each one of those cells and takes with it the DNA of Christ. Therefore, we have everything we need in every cell because God, Jesus has everything we need. Everything. It's all there. So all we have to do is believe and call upon it. There's healing. There's peace. There's love. It's all there. Everything we need. And remember that the blood is, the life is in the blood. And uh, one thing I do when I take communion is I realize that every time I'm taking communion, that blood is life. Mom always does that. She's like, I already pled the blood of Jesus all over you, so you're good. No matter where we're going. But isn't that beautiful? Like such a beautiful representation of, I think for people that don't understand or they're questioning God and his existence, breaking that down. That's what I thought. I thought, well, how could he be in me? You know, he just doesn't, you know, I don't have the body of Jesus in me. He doesn't just walk in me. Well, he showed me that just not too long ago. 
that's how he's in me. He's in every cell because of his blood. And he's all around us and that we're surrounded by him. Yeah. I just like, it makes you, you really think about it. Like, I think that's really good. I can't remember what it was, but I was watching something and I told you about it. So if you remember, let me know. Um, like when there's problems in your body, they say a lot of times what we're missing is that we need to take our shoes off and go outside and put our feet in the dirt and put our feet in the ground and have that vibration yeah. of the earth, earthing, grounding. is it grounding? grounding? That's what it is. And I'm thinking of, yeah, I mean, that may be in like a new age movement, but there is some biblical understanding to that because if he's vibrating each cell inside of us and keeping it alive in us and around us we, we're reconnecting to him at the core and we're becoming Maybe one dirt. <laughs> you know, yeah it says that. i don't know there's some to that yeah, yeah that's focus on that a while and see what he's yeah you could meditate that. on that yeah. i think that applies to like every single aspect though because when you're going through things in life, like I, I think that takes me back. If you're talking about the body and you're talking about the body and the cells, I mean, we can even bring that back to grief. When when I was going through grief of losing Nathan, um, all of a sudden I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And an autoimmune disease is, you know, it's your body fighting itself. And I was dealing with a lot of, a lot of self-hate in that time. And so the autoimmune disease was psoriasis. And so it covered, it was like little sores on my body, but pretty much it was my skin attacking something that wasn't there. And um, something that I think that really compares to in what you said is in the body because Jesus is in that body. And what I was constantly doing was hating on myself. And I was feeling something, I was attacking something that wasn't there. You know, I was attacking a part of me that wasn't aligning with God because I was hating what who he created. I was hating his temple. You opened a door. You opened that door to let that in. That's not, that's not spirit. That's flesh. Right. But then, so then, you know, this autoimmune disease was attacking. But the moment I started to see it heal, and I thought it was because I changed my diet, and I thought it was because I started taking vitamins. But when I look back on it now, like years later, or a couple years later, I look and I realize the only thing that changed was I started to actually like who I was Mm -hmm. and and started to realize that I was a beautiful person and that I was, you know, full of life and strong. And the second I did that, that attack that I was putting on myself and my body was doing to itself, it went away. And I, I, my psoriasis has not come back. It was completely healed, like within a month, I think. Like, you know, obviously it took time for the patches to heal because it's skin, but, but it, it went away like that. And I think that that applies back to the temple and the body and the cells and how your perspective affects it. And everything completely affects the whole world, your whole body. And it just, it can change everything. Lot today, haven't we? <laughs> it deep. all goes together. Yeah, it's good. Good stuff. Good, good, good. Um, we've talked about some pretty, some pretty deep stuff, but it's been good, been good. And I think that what you see is everybody finds their own path, and that's part of it is walking with Jesus, walking with God, and finding your own path. Because I love to say that trauma doesn't like it doesn't actually 
put those things inside of you, but it reveals those areas that need to be submitted. If they've not been submitted to the God, it'll, they'll definitely come to the surface. And so I think that's why each grief journey is different. But like the um, answer is always Jesus. Yeah, anyway. I think we tied it all pretty good together. Vulnerability, authenticity, perspective, all points that you have to have when you're struggling. And just realizing that Jesus is all around us and in every single cell. Yeah, I think something that maybe eventually one day we can talk about is something that people need vulnerability. And I really think people need this. Like with what's going on in the world and everything, people are struggling so much and they need to hear people being real. Mm-hmm. And I know we didn't talk too deep about our exact experiences and stuff that we have gone through, but but just talking about it a little bit shows some some authenticity, like we said, some realness on authenticity, whatever, authenticity. 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 Yeah. But I don't know. I'm just rambling. Now. You didn't say popcorn. Uh-huh. Popcorn. <laughs> Mom's got to say popcorn oh. before she corrects us. <laughs> anyway. Well, um, thank you guys for listening. Sorry. Did we make you uncomfortable? But I'm pretty sure this won't be the last time. I think we've, we have to comfortably be able to discuss uncomfortable topics. And that's uh, that's one step towards this. One, I don't know if I entered. Did I introduce Mom? Her name is Sandy Whitson, so we want to make sure we get that name in there. Thank y'all, and um, have a good week. Love ya. Bye.